If you have your Bibles, I want to I want to talk to you this morning. It's a it's it's a continuation of last week's talk on discernment, because the goal that we want to get to is to declutter all the noise, all of the mud, all of the fog, so that we can hear the voice of God. So I want to talk to you today about hearing God, hearing His voice. I believe God is active. God is alive. God wants to speak to us. And it's up to us to apprehend and receive what he wants to say to us. But in order to hear the voice of God, there are certain principles that he laid in place for us. And I want to look at a story today, or maybe better yet, an encounter between God, a man named Eli, and a man named Samuel. And I believe in this story, uh, we can extrapolate some principles that would help us to position ourselves to hear from God. Now, when I say that, obviously God is God. He can do whatever he wants to, and God can blow up all of that and say, I'm going to do it differently. But all we have in scriptures is principles that we can abide by to, to position ourselves to be able to hear the voice of God. Can you say amen? So if you have your Bibles, we are in 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. And I want to talk to you about hearing God. And it says this in 1 Samuel 3. It says the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. They were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Verse 6. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And that's the word of the Lord. Can you say amen? So we're going to talk about hearing God this morning in the midst of 
so many voices, in the midst of all the chaos that's going on, we truly want to hear the voice of God. So the question is, how do we position ourselves to hear God's voice? If you're taking notes, I'm going to dive right into this. Right off the bat, in verse 1, it tells you that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. God was barely speaking in those days. And if you study the context, God actually tells you why he wasn't speaking. There's two main reasons God reveals of why he has chosen to not share much. And I find this fascinating because I see a lot of similarities with what's going on in our day and age today. As the Bible always tells us, there's nothing new under the sun. And the number one reason the Bible tells you that God was rarely speaking at this time, number one, if you're taking notes, it says, because there was corruption among the spiritual leaders. The very people that's supposed to represent God, the very people that's supposed to, to, to be a voice for God, the very people that's supposed to be a representation of who God is on earth, there was a lot of corruption in the midst of the spiritual leaders that God was like, I can't speak where there's corruption. God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. And he won't speak where people are compromising the way that he established for his people to be. And that includes, my friends, as you're going to see in a minute, it includes the very high priest of the time that we just read about. His name was Eli. Eli had two sons, and his two sons had corrupted the priesthood by taking bribes, by, by sleeping with, with many women, and doing a lot of weird, shady things behind the scenes. And, and it breaks my heart to say that there's nothing new under the sun. That more and more we're seeing headlines of spiritual leaders living in corruption and living in sin. And it makes people very confused when you're supposed to be representing God. The second reason the Bible tells us that God was rarely speaking, it tells you that the people of God, the Israelites, were living in disobedience to the Lord. Which is interesting because... Example begins from top down. And so if the spiritual leaders were corrupt, the people were also being disobedient. But here's the thing with God. God never holds us accountable just as a whole. He also holds us accountable individually. So God was upset that the people that are supposed to look like him, talk like him, act like him, were doing things that he would never co-sign. Therefore, God pulls back and stops speaking because there's corruption and there's disobedience. Are you tracking so far? My friends, I don't know about you. I'd rather have the spanking than the silent treatment. At least the spanking I know. But the silent treatment makes you wonder. And your mind goes places that you don't want to go. Because, you know, you know, something is going on. I just don't know what's going on. And here God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking because of your corruption and your disobedience. That's a sad place to be when God stops speaking. 
So if you're taking notes, my friends, there are principles. If we're dead serious about hearing the voice of God, you have to pay attention to those two things. The opposite of those two things, the opposite of corruption and disobedience, the opposite of that is to live a life of repentance and obedience. So if I'm serious about hearing the voice of God, then I have to be serious about living a life of repentance. And repentance simply means metanoia, is to, to change one's mind. Like, I don't want to keep living this way, God. I want to live aligned with your will. I want to live aligned with your purpose. I want to live aligned with your heart. My, I want my thoughts to be your thoughts. I want my ways to be your ways. If I'm not living in repentance, I'm not going to hear the voice of God. The mistake that we make a lot of times, we think repentance is a one-time thing. No, repentance is continuous. Because at any given moment that I find myself outside the will of God, I want to quickly repent. I want to quickly get back in the fold. I want to keep getting back in the focus so that I don't miss out on what God is trying to do. Because the worst thing about following God as a father is to get his silent treatment. I love the prayer of a blind man who had never seen Jesus, but he heard Jesus was passing by. He said, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. Don't pass me by. Repentance is God. Don't pass me by. I need to hear you. I need to be in tune with you. I need to be walking with you. At any given moment, God, I want to realign myself with your will and with your purpose because I don't want to miss out on what you have for me. A life of repentance is conducive to hearing his voice. So I don't repent once or twice. I repent continuously because I don't want anything to get in the way of my will. Or better yet, of his will for my life. Are you tracking with me? But repentance without obedience is half the gospel. See, he was upset about the corruption, but he also was upset about the disobedience. Because I don't know about you as a father, you don't want your son or daughter to just say, I'm sorry, you want to see that the sorry has actions attached to it. And as a parent of five little knuckleheads, I hear I'm sorry all the time. And I'm okay with it. Why? Because they're at the place in their lives where their brain is still developing. They're still trying to figure this thing out. And I pray that they mean what they say and say what they mean. So it's not just repentance. It's obedience attached to the repentance. If I'm truly serious about hearing the voice of God, then those two things have to be in place. Because if not, the Lord will withdraw his voice for my life. And I don't know about you as a believer, that's the last thing we want. is for God to pull back and say then, you're on your own. Nothing more scary than to be on our own. So I want to live a life of repentance. I want to live a life of obedience if I'm truly serious about hearing the voice of God. And if you pay attention, and I say pay attention because you got to read the Bible like you're hooked on phonics. Do you remember Hooked on Phonics? Now you got to read slowly. If you want to really take everything that God has, you have to chew it. Like I talked about meditation last week. It's about paying attention. In the same verse that tells you that the word of God was rare, it also gives you another powerful principle if you want to hear the voice of God. He says, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Under Eli. You want to hear God? Live a life of repentance. 
Live a life of obedience. But also you got to live a life of submission to spiritual authority. Let me give you a scripture that's so powerful about those who are serious about the presence of God. Psalms 24 puts it this way. He says, look, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has what? Clean hands. And what? A pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol. You know what an idol is? Things less than God. Or swear by false God. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, their Savior. God is looking for people who would come to his presence with clean hands and pure heart. Who have no devotion to things that are less than who he is. Because he's a holy, righteous God. Deeper, he says, I am a jealous God. In other words, I won't share my devotion with less than you either fully devoted to me or you're not. And if you're not, I'll take my hands off of your life. It says this young boy is living in a time where the word of God is rare, but who does he come to? He comes to a young boy who is in the house, who is under the ministry of a man who is less than perfect. And scholars say this young boy Samuel was probably around 12 years old, which blows my mind. In a time where the word of God was rare, God trusts his word to a child. And Jesus later on echoes that. He says, hey, if you want the kingdom of God, you better come as a child because childs they're teachable, they're moldable, they're willing to receive, they're willing to accept. That jacks me up. In a time where there's a lot of adults, God's like, I'll go past all those who think they already know, and I'll go to a little kid. That's challenging, to say the least. Because something in us, at some point in life, we stop being teachable. We stop receiving. And worse, we, we, we embrace the reality we already know everything. Quiet in this Baptist church. My friends, this is a powerful thing. I've got to ask you a question. If you're serious about hearing God, here's a question you've got to consider. Are you submissive to spiritual authority? Now, that's a tough one. Because the word authority and submission is like a cuss word for a lot of us. And rightly so. Because in a lot of ways, we've seen bad authority. So it's easy for me to be like, man, why should I submit to authority where my father was not a great authority? Why should I submit to authority where my boss is a jerk? Why should I submit to authority where my politicians could care less about me? Why should I submit to authority when we got priests doing weird things? Why should we submit to any type of authority when we see in that authority? And the problem is, this is where we get in trouble with God because we're looking at the people, we're not looking at his principle. You see, here's what you have to understand about God. God has principles, and those principles, he will hold you accountable, but he will hold you accountable, not the other person that you're trying to keep accountable. Now, that's a rated M word, mature audience only. The problem is, sometimes when we see that authority, we want to play God. 
but we don't want to submit to what God says. Here's what we don't understand, is that with every single authority, there is a test there. We love testimonies, but you got to pass the test to have a testimony. And we don't realize that a lot of times we're not hearing God because we haven't passed the test of spiritual authority. Are you willing to submit to spiritual authority? If you take your notes, what is the word submission? The word submission simply means to be under a mission. You know the word submarine? What's the submarine best use? Submerged. Say, like, if you're not under a mission, then why should I trust you with my word? And we struggle with that because by nature, we're not submissive people. By nature is, is we're skeptical about submission. But the problem is, life hardly works the right way without submission. And everything starts in the house, right? Why is it that the enemy works so hard at, at removing the father? Because the, the submission thing, it trickles down. And why do we have a jacked up society? Because we have a lack of fathers who have understanding of what submission is, authority is, and power is. So the enemy knows if I can get to the head, then the whole thing falls apart. That's why submission is a major test of hearing the voice of God. A better word for, for submission, if you, if because we struggle with it, it's a simple thing. The word submission simply means permission. In other words, do I give that authority permission to speak into my life? Because no one can make you submit. It's a willing thing. That you have to do. It reminds me of little Johnny. Little Johnny was in church with his mom, and church service is over, and mom's having conversations like mom's always doing. Little Johnny decided to just run through the sanctuary, and he's jumping from chair to chair. And mom's doing what moms do, right? Stop, Johnny. But Johnny keeps doing his thing. Mom's having a conversation, trying to keep Johnny in place. Praise God for all the moms. <laughs> Moms can multitask. Mom's got their back turned, but you can see Johnny. I see you, Johnny. So mom gets frustrated, and he finally grabs Johnny, sits Johnny down in a chair, says, Johnny, sit down. Johnny said, I might be sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. And sadly, that's what a lot of us do. We might be sitting down, but we're rebuking the same authority supposed to bless our lives. And we say we want to hear God. God's like, you can't even pass the test of obeying your mom. Or dad. Permission. The Bible tells us this in Hebrews chapter 13. It says this. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. See, this is the part you have to understand. Every spiritual authority has to give an account to God, including Eli. We're going to see that in a second. 
Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. In other words, submission is for your own good. If you trust that God is sovereign, even when the authority is imperfect. Now that's a rated M type of word. We think that people are getting away with things, but God's like, no, no, no. I will keep everyone accountable. But God will keep them accountable. It's not my job to play the Holy Spirit. See, here's what fascinates me about the story, my friends. I hope you go home and read the rest because, because the word that, he, that, that Samuel speaks to Eli, to, 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 the word that God speaks to Samuel, is actually a word of judgment against Eli. Let that sink in for a second. Samuel is ministering under Eli. God speaks to Samuel about the judgment he's bringing to Eli. God, go home and read it. He says, I've had enough about Eli's sons, and Eli hasn't done anything to correct his sons. Lack of authority. So here's this boy hearing from God for the first time, and it's a hard word. He has to bring judgment to his boss, to his spiritual leader. And the way he goes about it blows my mind. I was thinking about that. I'm like, imagine that was today. What would this boy do with this revelation? Because today, people run wild when they hear something that sounds crazy. I was thinking about this. Man, today, if that was today, this dude is starting a blog. If that was today, he's got a clickbait YouTube video ready. Does Eli really hear from God? Is Eli really a high priest of the Lord? How do you hear from God? He would start an Instagram account. He would start a Facebook page. All in the name of, I'm here to tell you the truth. But did God co-sign it? Because we've twisted knowledge with revelation. Not the same thing. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but not be submitted to the revelation of God for the purpose of God and the will of God. So what does this young man do? Eli comes to him in the morning and say, tell me, what did God say? And he tells Eli, word for word, God's bringing judgment. On your house. And Eli is imperfect, but old enough and wise enough to receive. And he says, if God says it, let it be so. But here's the thing. What God said didn't happen the next day. So Samuel had to sit still under the ministry of Eli until the timing of God came to pass. For him to become the main prophet in the nation. Another question that I would have for people today is, would you be willing to still sit under submission knowing what you know about your imperfect leader? 
Rated M. Because the way I see it today, everybody who thinks they heard from God prematurely go and start something. But they never ask, God, is this your timing? Is this your way? Is this your place? The problem is not knowledge. The problem is knowledge without submission. Because you've got to remember, no one hates authority more than the devil. See, we forget that the whole question about authority started with him in Genesis chapter 3 when he told Adam and Eve, did God really say that? Don't you know God is holding out on you? Like this is what you got to discern. Because lack of discernment says, oh, that leader is just trying to hold me back from my purpose. From my calling. I got a calling. Yeah, just like every baby is meant to spend nine months in a mother's womb to develop fully in order to be a mature baby. There's a timing to everything. The last thing you want is to have a preemie. And God works through preemies, but man, don't you want to have a full bone? baby that's healthy, that's, that's supposed to work the way it's supposed to work. And unfortunately, we're too much in a rush to trust God's timing for things. So he says, did God really say that? What is he doing? What is the enemy doing? He is lighting the match and running away. In other words, let me put a seed of doubt in what God already said. And the problem is, well, we're not rooted in God. We're rooted in our emotions. We begin to say, wait, well, he kind of wasn't very clear. And this is Eve. And instead of going and checking with Adam, she just takes it upon herself to go ahead and buy into this lie that was slowly planted. And because Adam is not exercising spiritual authority, he goes, oh, I guess. How many broken homes, broken Ministries, broken marriages, broken ministry because of lack of submission to the authority that God put in place. You know what's crazy? Go read the Ten Commandments. The only commandment in there with a promise is the commandment to honor your mom and dad so your days on earth may be prolonged. He didn't say honor your Christian mom and dad. Or your perfect mom and dad. He says, honor the authority I put in place and your days will be prolonged. How many people have lost their lives because of that? And I don't mean just physically, emotionally, spiritually. Because we decided, I know better. Basically what Adam and Eve said that moment when, when the enemy saw that seed, they're like, oh, we got this. We know better than God. So if you want to hear God, start with what he already put in place. Because God, watch this, God will not bypass his principles. If you notice the story, blows my mind. He's bringing judgment against Eli, but he's not going over Eli. That's, that blows my mind. Because in this day and age, it's like, no, I got it. I don't care what the authority is. I have something to say. And if you don't like it, I'll just move on. Because God told me to. <laughs> That's my favorite one. My friends, opposite of authority is chaos. A home without authority is in a 
It's a chaotic home. A business without authority is a chaotic business. A country without authority is chaotic. Like, we live in a day and age where if you don't agree with, with the president, man, you can say whatever you want to say. We think there's no accountability. But Jesus said you are accountable for every word that comes out of your mouth. Every single word. I don't know if that scares you, but that scares the hell out of me. I talk for a living. And pun intended, scares the hell out of me. People just have diarrhea of the mouth. They say whatever they want to say. Not realizing you're going to be accountable for every word that you repent from. The opposite of authority is chaos. The opposite of submission is division. Because submission means we have a mission that we're under. Division says, I got, more, I got my own mission. And worse, the opposite of obedience is a fruitless life. You don't bear any fruit when you lack obedience. If you keep reading Samuel, there's a guy named Saul who decided to take matters into his own hands. And God says, I don't care how much you sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. In other words, you could do a lot of things you think is good, but if you're not obeying the word of God, then you're in, dis- you're in disobedience. It doesn't matter how good you look. I want to give you an example from Jesus' ministry. And ask you the question, are you this teachable? Are you willing to submit? Jesus was preaching. The lake, he gets in Peter's boat. And he preaches for a while. He's done preaching, but these guys were fishing all night. This is, this is early morning, and he tells them, hey, let's, let's go fishing again. And you know Peter, he's from New Bedford. He always has something to say. Watch this. All right, look. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, which is Peter, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Peter's response. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught, it, haven't caught anything. Now let's pause there for a second. Because I don't know how you read the Bible, but you've got like, to put yourself in these moments. Peter just fished all night. He's the fisherman. Jesus, he's the rabbi. He's done preaching. And he says, hey, guys, let's go back. Peter was like, with all due respect, I'm the fisherman. You're just the rabbi. I think I know what I'm talking about. You're a great rabbi. You only work on Sundays. That is really funny. I don't care where you are. <laughs> but with all due respect, I know what I'm talking about. I'm the fisherman. You stick to preaching. Let me stick to fishing. Because that's, 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 kind of that's kind of the gist a little bit here. You know what I mean? Like Peter's like, come on, man. Like, I know what I'm doing. We haven't caught anything. I'm the fisherman. You just, you're a great preacher, but come on. But watch this. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so. I will let down the nets. Reluctantly, I don't really want to do this, but I think you have a better perspective than I do because you have the spiritual authority. I'm going to go ahead and lay down the nets and watch this. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. 
In other words, are you willing to submit to spiritual authority to the place of getting an actual breakthrough? We sing about breakthrough, but breakthrough comes when you submit. I don't want to mess anybody up today, but maybe your breakthrough is just waiting for submission. I don't know. I love Peter because I see myself in Peter, reluctantly sometimes. But man, I love this heart because you say so. I don't feel like doing it. But I trust your spiritual authority. I trust your perspective. I trust that you see something that I'm not seeing in this moment. Because when you're tired, when you're frustrated, it's hard to see revelation. Are you tracking? This is a mature word this morning. You want to hear God? The principles are laid out. Eli... Man, he lied. You got to give him his credit here because in his imperfection, he lied to something powerful. Eli recognized, by the way, you notice Samuel kept coming to Eli because he was so submissive and so teachable that the voice of God sounded a lot like the voice of his spiritual authority. And Eli recognizes this moment. And he says to him, go and lie down. Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. My God, I love that. You know what I love about that? A healthy spiritual leader just wants to position you to hear from God. that's, That's the heart of a spiritual leader who understands their position. And why they were given the position. Better, a better word for a spiritual leader is a servant leader. It's someone who knows, understands, like, I'm in this place just to point you to the one who can actually do something on your behalf. I'm only here to reflect him. I love that about Eli. Even in his imperfection, please catch this. Even in his imperfection, he knew how to direct someone to the perfect one. That's amazing to me. That's beautiful. That's powerful because to me, that's the whole purpose of having spiritual authority is that my heart desire is to see other people find the will of God. And I can tell you this personally speaking because it's a weird message to teach because how can you teach about submission when you're the spiritual authority? Puts you in a weird place. But I can tell you this as openly as I can, as God knows my heart, that man, my greatest desire for anyone who comes to this place is to find the will of God, even if it means not being in this place. Like my wife and I have had many meetings with people. We tell them straight up, this, maybe this is not the community for you. Maybe your theology doesn't align with where God has you right now in your journey. But guess what? My heart's desire is to see you where God wants you. And in eight years, I've never told anyone, this is your house. I say, come pray, ask the Holy Spirit, is this where I'm supposed to be under the authority of this house so I can see the will of God? Because the last thing I want is to force someone into a place where God doesn't have them. Because I know I'm accountable to him. That's what spiritual authority is. Like, like if you feel like 
this, this place is not helping you grow spiritually. You're not hearing from God. You're not getting anything from God. Then pray and ask God, God, where do you want me to be? Because I will never tell you this is the place to be. You got, that's the Holy Spirit's job. You know why that's the Holy Spirit's job? Because if the Holy Spirit is leading you to a place, then he's leading you to submit to that place. And if he's not leading you, sooner or later you're going to buck the system. It's going to hurt you and you're going to hurt that community because you're not submissive to the same thing. So for me, <laughs> this might sound too, too blunt, I'm going to say it. For me, for every person that leaves, it's one less headache. <laughs> for both of us. Now that's a mature word. Because I already have five knuckleheads at home that every day <laughs> I'm trying to teach submission. I don't need to teach adult submissions who don't want to be submissive. If you don't want to be submissive, go where you want to be. But that takes discernment to say, God, is this where you have me? I want God's will for you. Whatever that looks like. That's a healthy spiritual leader. So Samuel goes because Samuel, again, God knows I can trust this kid. Samuel does exactly what Eli says. Goes and he lies down. And he says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Question you got to ask yourself, if I want to hear from God, am I making room for him to speak? The reason why we're so chaotic and there's so much going on is like there's, there's no room enough to be still anymore. Everywhere we go, the radio's on, the TV's on, podcast is on. Don't you know even too much spiritual voice is detrimental to your soul? Even good things can become toxic to your soul. It says, go lie down and just say, speak, Lord. Listening. This is where, as your pastor, this is what I'm trying to... Create space for us to understand, like, if you make time to hear God, God will speak to you. He wants to. One of my favorite Psalms, Psalms 46, it says simply this. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Like, go somewhere. Be still. Now, that looks different for all of us. We're all unique in how you can be still. But you got to cultivate stillness enough to hear the voice of God. For me, twice a week, I go to a body of water. I'm not telling you where. I don't want you to find me my place. <laughs> I actually just got found out this week for someone from the church. I was like, ah, oh, God, I got to find another place. <laughs> but for me, a body of water will do it. Just stare into God's creation. Relax. At first, when you're new to this, your mind is racing. But be still long enough. Practice that long enough. When all the chaotic voices stop, you're going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Here's one thing I know about. I don't, I don't know everything about God. I know this. God whispers. He doesn't shout. He whispers. But you can't hear the whisper if your, your mind is loud. So when you practice that, you're practicing the presence of God. I'm not saying every single time you're going to hear God, but you're positioning yourself to listen. In other words, you're becoming teachable to be able to hear God. Sometimes people come to church one week and they're like, God didn't do anything. It's like, yeah, you've been jacking up your life for 30, 40 years. <laughs> you think he's going to do it all in one day. 
undo all the stuff. It's like, no, it's a journey. It's a process of learning to submit and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I got to go here. Worship team, you can come. Can I recommend something to you? I always recommend books. I, I believe in reading. Expands my understanding. There's a great book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. It's a, it's a Christian classic on how to experience the presence of God. And in this book, he talks about four things. I'm going to give you four things real quick if you're taking notes. He says, listen, we don't know how God always speaks, but we've seen a pattern of how, what God uses to speak to us. And those four things that he talks about are these. If you're taking notes, he says, God, first of all, speaks through prayer. It's his way of communicating to us. And the mistake we make with praise, we make it a one-way street. It's a two-way. It's not just talking, it's listening. Number two, he says, God speaks through the Bible. It's his word. Number three, God speaks through circumstances. And four, God speaks through the church. So I want to give you a scripture for each one as we, as we wrap up today. And I pray again, you got to want this. you got to cultivate this throughout the week. But number one, he says, look, God speaks through prayer. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, my friends, prayer was never meant to be, I come and I give God all my laundry list and I go. No, prayer is, are we having a heart to heart? Do you make room to hear God speak back? Because sometimes in our prayers, man, it's like, okay, I said everything I have to say, I'm done. It's like, yeah, but did you make room to listen? You imagine being in a relationship where all you do is sit there and someone just, don't elbow anybody. <laughs> you know what's wrong with you. Blah, 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 blah. Sorry. Uh... Or you, you ever had this moment when you had a conversation with someone, you didn't say a word and they go, nice talk. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. I love those conversations because it's like, oh, man, I just saved myself some words. Good talk. Oh, great. Number two, the Bible says that God speaks through the Bible. It's his word to us. Here's what the Bible says about the Bible. In 2 Timothy, it says, all scripture, all the Bible is God-breathed. In other words, God-communicated, God-spoken. And it's useful, watch this, for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So in other words, if you're reading the Bible and you get corrected, you read it right. <laughs> so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's a cliche, right? People say, I want God to speak to me, but your Bible is dusty. You're not taking advantage of the greatest tool available to you to hear God. Because here's the thing. How are you going to know if it's God if you're not familiar with what you already said? You know what's fascinating to me about the word is that the more you're in it, the more God confirms his word. Like every single Sunday I hear people tell me, oh my gosh, you, you preached about what I was thinking about or I was reading on. And me and, and, and our crew were talking about this. It's like, yeah, what is God doing? He's confirming his word. He confirms. So God speaks when his word is already open. People are like, I want new revelation. Starts with the one already revealed. You might recognize a new revelation. Number three, God speaks through circumstances. 
God doesn't waste anything. I love this promise in Romans. It says, in, and we know that in all things, I looked up the Greek, all things means everything. <laughs> Not some things. All things. Good, bad, and ugly. God works for the good of those who love him. Now, catch that. He works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. That's important because a lot of times I hear people misquote the scripture. They're like, all things work together. They're like, yeah, but you're in sin. God's not co-signing that. God works together for the good of those who love him. Those who are living in repentance, in obedience, in submission to his will. He works it out. That you can't be doing shady stuff and go, if God wills it. Because I heard people say weird things like that. You know, if it is God's will. It's like, no, you're living with your boyfriend. That's not God's will. You made that choice. Gets quiet in the Baptist church when we tell the truth. So make sure that it's, it's because he's working all things out because you're living a life of repentance, of obedience, of submission in the word. I'm praying. I'm reading. I'm seeking him. He's going to work everything out for my good. And then lastly, so important, God speaks to the church. It's his idea, my friends. I didn't come up with this. I'm not that smart. Look what he says in Ephesians. He says, look, so Christ himself gave. I'm going slow. I cooked on phonics because we need to get this. He himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, the body, may be built up until we all reach unity, not division, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature, rooted and grounded like the trees planted by the rivers. Pillars, not noodles. One day here, the next day gone. Mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And he keeps going. He keeps going. Someone got convicted in the media room. Oh, this is so important. Then we will no longer be. You know what infants is? Where's my blanket? I'm upset. I'm offended. <laughs> Not infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Discern! You're not discerning everything someone says is gospel. Oh, they use the scriptures. Yes, the devil used scriptures and Jesus rebuked him. <laughs> Discern. Not every YouTube preacher is following Jesus. 
Next time you listen to someone who sounds very compelling, ask just one question. Who is their spiritual authority? Because every rogue person now seems to have a say. But Jesus says, I gave to the church this leadership. And I will keep them accountable. Immaturity. Too many noodles, too many rogues. Tossed by everything. One day in church, the next day out there. Because we're not rooted in the body like we're supposed to. Trees planted, deep roots. You may bend, but you won't break. I want to end with a powerful thing in this story. Look what he says. He says, look. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. That's important. He grew up in the church, but he didn't know Jesus. Please, this is important, my friends. There's too many people thinking they are in just because they're in the building. Attendance is not revelation. I did a, a Q&A the other day about questions and I got an extra email and someone said, Pastor, what do you do when someone is in church but you know they're not leaving for Jesus? I'm like, that's the that's walls in sheep's clothing. Or it could just be that you just don't know. And they need to have revelation of God, not just attendance. This is important. We want our kids to grow up in the church, but we want them to have experiences of their own so they can know that Jesus is the Lord of their lives, not just go to a church building. I don't know about you as a pastor, it breaks my heart when I hear the statistics out there that, you know, people reach 18 and leave the church. Why? They never met Jesus. Of course you're going to leave when you don't know what, we don't have an experience. I don't know about you, Jesus is too good to leave. I've had best friends leave Jesus, but I'm... I will never leave Jesus. When I got saved, it was about 20 of us who got saved. Oh, I thought we did. 20 of us, we used to call ourselves Christian Utang. Because we rolled deep. But over the years, so many of them has dropped off. And it breaks my heart to say that. But you got to ask the question, how many of them actually knew the Lord? Because I want to be one of those trees that you can't move. That you can't move, but you have to have revelation. It's okay to ask God for revelation. It's okay to say, God, I feel like I don't hear your voice. And go through the checklist. Am I living a life of repentance? Am I living obedience? Am I submissive? God, God if I'm checking all the, like, I need to know, Lord, reveal yourself to me. Because I don't want to be the person that's in the house but doesn't know you. Don't you know the story of the prodigal son is two sons. We miss it. We always talk about the prodigal one who went out there and did crazy things. But the older brother was in the house and he was lost. Because he didn't know why he was home. It just jacks me up. I'm, getting, I'm seeing people getting pulled out of church because they don't know Jesus. And so they'll listen to anybody. You need revelation because when you have revelation you can discern through the voices that are trying to lie to you come on stand with me as we pray this morning
Leave this verse up. The Lord wants you to know Him. Personally. Intimately. He wants to reveal Himself. But you got to be living a life of repentance, obedience, submission to authority. Can I tell you something? In all full disclosure, I'm not your pastor because you heard me preach today. I'm only your pastor if you give me permission in your heart to be your pastor, to receive what God is trying to teach. No one can force you. No one can coerce you. Believe me, it's the last thing I want to do. But if God's brought us together, then we have a mission to do this together. Because unity commands a blessing. And God doesn't work in division. So you got to figure it out. Maybe, maybe today God's telling you, hey, you need to find another place. God bless, like, I want the best for you. I really do. I, like, if you, listen, not long ago, a few months ago, my, my wife and I sat with a couple that we love dearly, and we told them, you better, your best option right now is to find another community. Because our theology doesn't line up, but, I, but we love Jesus. We just, we don't have the same mission. But guess what? We're still friends. It doesn't have to be weird. Anyone who talks you out of church by bashing another church, doesn't hear from God. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that. Because it's one body, but it has many veins. You know how many veins your body has? That's the beauty of the body out there. There's many veins. We're all brothers and sisters if we're under the covering of Jesus' blood and righteousness. We may see things differently. That's different. That's secondary. So you got to ask the Holy Spirit today, what are you saying to me? And how come I haven't heard you? How come I'm not feel like I'm in tune with you? So you don't want to just hear the word. You want, to, you want the word to take root so you can get revelation. Can we bow our heads? Why do we bow our heads? So we can focus on ourselves. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak. I believe he's already spoken. He knows how to customize the word. He knows where exactly where we are. He knows what part of that message was for us. And he knows what our next step is. And I, I pray you are obedient to say, Lord, empower me now to do what you're asking me to do. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. If you need to repent of something, it's God leading you to repent. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. For your servant wants to hear your voice. And as the blind man said, Jesus, don't pass me by. Don't give us the silent treatment. Whatever you have to do, Lord, we say, your will be done. If you say so, I believe it. And I want to obey it. And I want to be a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to you. That's my worship. Father, I don't want to conform to a rebellious world, a disobedient world, a divisive world. I want to be one of those who live a life of repentance, obedience, and submission. So Holy Spirit, come have your way in this place. Our hearts are open, our minds are receptive. 
We're going to have a time of prayer here. It's one of the most powerful times that we can get to just sit and let the Holy Spirit minister to us. Pray, team, you can come. As we do the song again, you're welcome to come and pray with us so you can sit on your seat and pray. Whatever you feel led to, I believe God is here and he wants to speak to us. Speak, Lord, we're listening. Let's worship. <laughs>